official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Buy me some peanuts, don't touch my ass I don't care if you ever come back For it's root, root, root for the homo team They can't keep up, what a shame For it's one that was Bass Suite with their new summer anthem, Take Me Out, available for free on all streaming services. Hello and welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are coming at you live if you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, March 20th, 2021, right here at dnrstudios.com, the only place you can hear this motherfucking podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. Don't forget to download the new DNR Studios app. Leave us your ratings and reviews on iTunes. Can I just say... To the listeners and the Instagram viewers, I have not gotten a review for this show since January. It's now the end of March. No reviews in three months. Come on, you guys. Help me out. Just go on fucking Apple Podcasts. Type out a review. It'll take you 30 seconds. Thank you. End of rant. Uh, leave us your ratings and reviews. Email me, me at adamandadamsank.com. If you're listening live, you can call in and talk to us at 804-825-5277. That's 804-TALK-ASS. You can call us anytime, even when we're not on the air. Leave us a voicemail. We might play it. Like the Facebook page. Download my comedy albums. Get your official ass merchandise. T-shirts, tank tops, even an eight ball of cocaine. <laughs> the link to all that is adamsank.com. I wish I sold cocaine on the uh, the merch website. Not, not online drugs. <laughs> it would be a really popular seller. Um, you guys, our guest today is uh, making his ass debut. He is a delicious and delightful straight comedian who I've known forever named Joe Larson. I call him the world's hottest Ewok because he's rather diminutive, but he's so fucking funny and cute. Uh, but first, stuffing his face across from me is everyone's favorite piglet, the one and only Ryan Frost Pig. Oh, what the hell was that? Oh, and we have a phone call. There's so many things happening at once. All right, while Ryan, while Ryan chews, why don't we take the phone call? Mystery caller, you say what? My name is Matt Martin, and I would like to speak to Adam Sank, please. Hey, Matt Martin. I haven't talked to you in forever. What's going on, baby? Not much. I wanted to call and wish you well on uh, your upcoming season of The Ash Show, and I will be sure to leave my review today after this show. Yo, you're going to write a review? Yes, of course. Thank you, Dollface. You know what's funny about you calling, Matt? is in a couple weeks, we're going to play a best of guestless show, which is uh, when we run clips of various uh, moments from the show where we were not talking to a guest. We were just kind of chatting amongst ourselves, doing news and topics. And one of them is uh, one of the episodes that you co-hosted. Awesome. You made, you, made the, you made the best of, my dear. You know what? I'm flattered beyond belief. As well you should be. <laughs> How have you been? Are you still in New York? I am still in New York. I'm further out on the island now, but things are good. How have you been coping with COVID? Uh, we've been fine. I mean, the good thing is we've been back in this studio, uh, Ryan and JB and I, since July. So that okay. has seemed rather normal, although all of our guests have been on the phone. It's it's great to see these two every uh, every week. And uh, I work Yeah, I see. I like the clear shower curtain there. That's yes. The shower curtain is keeping us safe, although I'm doubly vaccinated now, so... Uh, I don't got to worry about nothing. Um, but yeah, I, what's that? No, I went to this place over on 42nd Street and 1st uh, that uh, I just was lucky enough to get an appointment at. Cool. Cool. Okay. Anyway, babes, it's great to hear your voice. We're yeah. just starting the show, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bid you adieu. Have a good show. Love we'll have to have much. you back soon. Sounds good. All right, sweetie. Bye-bye. Bye. It's so funny. Yeah. 
It's as if he knew that uh, I was going to be talking about him soon. Ryan, I'm sorry. A belated welcome to you. Thank you, Adam. Uh, belated to welcome you. to you too, JB. Uh, JB, everyone needs to know, was partying in Staten Island until the Drag wee her. hours. Drag her. Slept in the studio and is drunk as fuck. I, okay, so I'm not, I'm not drunk. I, 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 drunk. My is over. Okay, she, she did a responsible thing. Instead of going home and like they're so far away and I might not wake up to be here. I decided to just be here already, you know. And I, I support this, by the way. Adam, yeah. I, my, my first thought when you said that uh, JB was partying in Staten Island, I thought of Charlotte. The yes, season it was JB three, had his yeah. own Sex in the City episode, <laughs> yes. except in his case, it almost came to violence. Oh no! Uh, yeah, oh dear. Like half Fisticuffs. I am not for play play. Okay, <laughs> I am not for play play. Not the like, queen if of you fuckery. Step to me, you better make sure you ready to throw these hands. Don't fuck with okay. JB, anyone. Periods. Anyway, um, we are now running uh, behind because of uh, the phone call. Uh, happy oh, spring. Happy spring to you. Sorry. Um, let's start with Ryan's recommended viewing and or reading because Ryan's yes. been reading quite a bit lately. I have been reading. And reading is what? Fundamental. Um, so I... What? Sickening. So I have been reading a... Um, a series of books uh, by Ethan Morden. Um, mm -hmm. It's called The Buddies Cycle. And um, there's five books. I just finished the third. Um, I forgot what it's called. But The Buddies Cycle, you can find all of the books um, if you search that online. It's about um, gay New York in the late 70s, sort of pre-AIDS. Pre um, although the fourth and fifth book uh, will take us into the AIDS epidemic and um, I just really enjoy kind of like reading a little bit of history. This is his lived experience. And it's it's funny to see how different life was before AIDS for our community and also how um, similar it still is. You know, he writes a lot about Fire Island, um, which I have a lot of experience. Sorry, I'm laughing because my headphones just there. came off and like now I'm like spastic with the camera. Um, yeah, I find with a lot of those, uh, I've read almost all of the gay books from the 70s. Yeah. Um, like Dancer from the Dance and Faggots and, and I feel the same way. It's like, oh my God, things were so different and yet the gays are exactly the same. We're, it's like the sh show tunes, uh, drugs, sex, sex yeah. partying, pettiness. Dinner parties. Yeah, yeah. it's all it's the all. same. I'm excited to read those. Uh, JB, recommended viewing, reading, um, porn. Okay, well, you guys, I've heard good things about the Justice League Zack Snyder cut. I'm going to watch it this the week. The Justice League, uh, Zack this Snyder. is the director's cut. Yep, the mm -hmm. four-hour movie. Mm -hmm. I'm oh going God. to sit there and watch this four-hour movie like it's a Harry Potter movie with my popcorn like a bad bitch. This weekend, who knows what day it's going to be. It's probably going to be Sunday because I'm going to be asleep all day today after this. So, uh, I'm excited for you. <laughs> I will never watch this. But <laughs> nothing should ever I don't be even want to hear long. about it. But, um, but JB, <laughs> in the next hour, we're going to be talking about a very special thing happening with comic books. Oh, I'm excited. I think you may already know about it, but, uh, but you're going to be excited if you don't know. Um, I'm going to recommend a, a documentary from 2013. I fell down a rabbit hole and somehow found... This Oscar-nominated documentary called Finding Vivian Meyer. I don't want to tell you too much about it because there's so many twists and turns, but basically it's about a woman who spent her life as a street photographer but never showed her work to anyone. And after she died, her work was discovered, a trove of of thousands and th maybe tens of thousands of both photos and undeveloped film that she had taken. And it turned out that she is one of the greatest street, ph uh, street photographers of all time, along with like Ouija and um, Cartier-Bresson and, and Diane Arbus. If you're interested in photography, it's a must watch. If you're not interested in photography, it's a must watch. It's fabulous. I got so into it that I immediately went after the director who happens to be gay uh, to see if we could get him on the ass. I've heard nothing back, but I'm still going to keep trying. Okay, with that. Can I just tell you that yes, when please. I saw this, I thought it said finding Jim Vivian. <laughs> Vivi? <laughs> 
if you're listening. Finding Jim. Jim Vivian is our friend from the New York City Gay Men's Chorus who also uh, was my dog walker before COVID. And so, yes, Finding Jim Vivian will be the sequel to Finding Vivian Meyer. Love it. He's not so hard to find. Yeah. Um, and he also has uh, quite a trove of treasures in sure his apartment. Does. Okay. Uh, let's get into the news. Let's get into it. And our, um, oh, I know. I need to first uh, talk about a quick uh, listener phone call that we got. It was a voicemail. I'm not going to play it because it's too long. Mm. But uh, Rick from El Paso, thank you for calling. And this is a real sad way to start the show. But he was calling. Uh, he wanted to wish me a happy birthday. And then he wanted to talk about the Atlanta murders mm. of the Asian American women who were murdered this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this horrific mass killing. Horrible. And he wanted to make the point that everyone's just assuming that they're prostitutes and we don't even know that and we shouldn't make assumptions. And you're right, Rick. I mean, yes, these massage parlors appear to to me from the signage and the way that they've been described as kind of like a, ru- a rub and tug type place where mm-hmm. men go to, to get release. Um, that doesn't mean that these particular women did that. To me, it doesn't matter. Right. I don't care. Sex workers deserve to be protected as much as anybody else, and their lives are as valuable as anyone else's lives. These women, regardless of whether they were sex workers or not, they were loved by their families, their friends, their communities, and they were senselessly slaughtered for no reason uh, or for reasons that have to do with racism, sexism, whatever uh, the case may be. So – I don't want to get into really like were they sex workers, were they not – who cares? Uh, I agree we shouldn't assume it. Right. It's still an important conversation to have because there are sex workers that are being murdered. Absolutely. So – But he, but I think Rick's point was like we're, we're sort assuming. of besmirching them. Yes. And I, to me, calling someone a sex worker is not besmirching them. Mm. I, I think it's a valid – Besmirch? Uh, besmirch is a great word, Ryan. Wow. That's your vocabulary word for the day. It means to, to – My word of the day. It means to sort of – um, belittle in a public way. Mm, okay. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's move on then um, and talk about this. A once a month prep pill shows promising results. Listen, all you bareback whores out there. I'm listening. Uh, it's called Islutrevir. No, wait, Islutrevir. <laughs> is is you a slut, Trevier? <laughs> no, Islutrevir. Formerly known as That's e- my new drag name. It's a slut Chavir. <laughs> Formerly known as MK8591 is being developed by the pharma company Merck. It has already reached the second stage. Following promise, promising results, it looks likely to go to phase three. Um, this uh, would basically be a once-a-month pill that, just like PrEP, would prevent HIV infection. In the phase two trial, 250 participants at low risk for HIV were recruited to receive either six monthly doses of Islatrivir or a placebo. Those taking the drug were monitored to see how quickly the medicine entered their bodies and how long they remained potent. And they were found to have levels of the drug well above the specified PK threshold for HIV-1. This is all very inside baseball stuff. But basically, they think this is just as effective as taking one pill a day. And so not only would this be incredibly more convenient and probably less toxic for the body Mm -hmm. than taking a pill every day, but also it's got to be less expensive. Yeah. So this is great news. I am here for this. As the listeners know, I am incredibly lazy. I am terrible at routine uh, uh, And a slut. And a whore. So, um, you know, Speaking what a done. sex workers. Well, not anymore. <laughs> She's married now. She got a husband. I've been she, monogamous for the past <laughs> however many months. We're ready. We're ready for this pandemic to be over so yeah. we can go go about our merry whore ways. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I really do. This is any, any um, additional options for people to, you know, prevent the spread and to protect themselves is great. I'm I'm here for it. Ryan never wants to prevent the spread. Mm, I'll spread my legs. He likes to spread. All right. Well, I like a lock spread. <laughs> this morning, Ryan had lock spread on his bagels, but we won't get into that. We won't. We won't. Um, okay. In other news involving queer people and medicine, a new study. Uh, this was in the New York Times. A new study shows that LGBTQ people are less likely to trust the COVID vaccine. Not surprisingly. Q people, uh, queer people of color are particularly 
uh, mistrusting of the vaccine. But all LGBTQ people they found, excuse me, LGBTQ people of color were twice as likely as white non-LGBTQ people, in other words, white straight people, uh, to test positive for COVID-19. Even though black people are more at risk for contracting the disease, concerns about the vaccine are especially prevalent among this population. Um, They studied 1,350 men and transgender women who predominantly identified as gay or bi. And these uh, participants reported how likely they would be to get a COVID-19 vaccine. The black participants expressed significantly more vaccine hesitancy than their white peers and healthcare workers say that they're finding the same resistance with their patients. Um, for members of the queer community, and especially queer people of color, this stems in part from pre existing mistrust in the medical establishment. We've talked about this before. There's been a, a, a shameful history in this country of black people and other people of color being mistreated by the medical industry, most infamously, the Tuskegee study, which took place from 1932 to 1972, in which African-American men who had syphilis were studied but not treated because they just wanted to see what would happen. And as JB has described, even now, just going to the doctor, if you go to a white doctor and you're a patient of color, you're very likely not going to be treated with the same level of respect as white patients. Do you want to say something about this? Okay. My my favorite example of this is um, Wanda Sykes said it best in her stand-up special – the one from 2019. Doesn't matter. Yeah. The one from 2019, she, uh, she said when white people go to the doctor's office, the doctor gives them a whole bunch of Oxycontins and Vicodins and stuff. When black people go to the doctor's office for the same exact thing, they give us uh, Tidal and the low-grade shit. We, uh, we don't get the high-grade shit. Like, even, like, the, the white person could just get a spray angle there. Here's Vicodin, his Oxy, his Cody. I come from surgery. Here's a Tylenol. Because they don't trust that mm-hmm. you're going to be able to, like, not abuse Pretty much. the, the hard though, stuff. Even though they push cocaine and crack into my community, right. they don't trust me with the hard drugs. Fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm done. How, do you f- you. how do you feel about the vaccine, JB? I, I'm, I support the vaccine. I, I'm going to get it once I move because in Far Rockaway, it's hard to get it because you need proof of illness. It's like, hard to get milk in Far Rockaway. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get fresh food in Far Rockaway. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's get real. That. So like it, it's it, I I'm down to get the vaccine. I'm, uh, I'm probably gonna get it next month. Oh, good news! Uh, I'm I'm gonna be moving in a month. Yes, Yay. this is breaking news. Yeah, so I guess I'll tell you guys this first. My mom just sent me a video. She's like, "Place is on the stuff. It's gonna be done within two weeks." I'm That's so amazing. happy for you. JB has been waiting to move to this fabulous new apartment <sighs> that was being renovated for him. Yes, for, for so long. months. Good for you, baby. I'm thrilled for you. Can I just say um, uh, regarding the vaccine? Please. I have been hearing, and I actually had a friend who lives in L.A. text me that she has friends in New York who have gotten the vaccine who did not need to show any proof of any. Oh, yeah. Like people are getting the vaccine left and right. And I feel like everyone, I all of my close friends, everyone in my close circle, except for, you know, me and my partner have gotten the vaccine. I, I, I think, JB, it's probably, I mean, you you qualify. I, I, I feel like even if you don't qualify at this point, they're not, they're, they're not checked. They're like, it's. Well, I did have to show a doctor's note. Did you? At my place. I, I got, when I got my first vaccine a month ago, to proving that I was, oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry about that. Proving that I was immunosuppressed. Um, I'm sure like the lines are probably long and a lot of the, um, distribution centers but but yeah i mean i would definitely try jb and also you could also travel for a vaccine people do that it's no different than coming into the studio like you could come to manhattan oh okay that's true yeah yeah people are traveling from other states i I mean there's a lot of stuff going on in other news the vatican made headlines this week for all the wrong reasons they came out uh against lgbtq unions again um saying uh, <laughs> yes. Are you drunk? <laughs> they basically said that like the catholic church could never bless same-sex unions because right. they would be blessing a sin and everybody went crazy because uh matt you can't hear it, me uh-oh i think i muted myself i'm gonna hang this shit up because I'm, I'm sorry goodbye goodbye <laughs>
too, okay. Too much. It's just uh, it's too much work. I need a camera person. <laughs> we need a camera person. <laughs> uh, hold on. Fuck. Explain what the Vatican did. Basically, the Vatican <laughs> was messy, and they participated in some fuckery, and. Right, JB? Okay, so basically the Vatican <laughs> said, we don't support gay marriage because this is a sin. Because it's a sin. And we just like, but are we over this by now? Didn't Jesus say figs are also a sin and also selfish? I but thought aren't the you Pope, people? didn't the Pope... Figs. Okay, anyway, the, the reason this was such a big deal was because people keep thinking that this Pope, Pope Francis, is like this progressive right. Pope right. who's like pro-gay and loves us. And this was the Vatican's reminder that like, no, he's not. Go fuck yourselves. Anyway... The story that I have in my hand is that Elton John came forward and said, like, fuck the Vatican for its hypocrisy. It turns out the the Vatican invested millions of dollars into the movie Rocket Man, a film oh celebrating gay sex and gay love. According to Newsweek and the Daily Beast, the Vatican reportedly invested large sums of money into that movie. Uh, possibly as much as $1.2 million uh, toward the financing of this movie. Um, and apparently they do this. The biggest surprise to me in this story is that the Vatican invests in movies, like Hollywood movies. Yeah, I did not know that was a thing. I guess they feel like it's a good investment. They're, you know, they're a huge business. Um, but like I could see them investing in a movie that's about the Vatican or like has something to do with, you know, religion, but not Rocket Man. Right? Um, the Vatican, uh, Elton tweeted, how can the Vatican refuse to bless gay marriages when they, quote, are sin, yet happily make a profit from investing millions in Rocket Man, a film which celebrates my finding happiness from my marriage to David? <laughs> uh, it's a good time to remind everybody that Elton John sang at the wedding of Rush Limbaugh for a million dollars. I mean, yeah. So Elton John is uh, not one to be talking black. about hypocrisy. <sighs> that said, his point is well taken. And um, this was just a bummer. I mean, the hypocrisy. Just the, the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy, and I'm not even high. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean, if you think about all of the scandal within the Catholic Church and then for them to come out with this, it's just like. Right, like, why don't you spend your time and resources trying to stop your priests from fucking underage boys rather than worrying about what adults do? Yeah. Like, isn't that more gay, fucking a little boy? Like, it's, no, the, it's not. Like, and we like, shouldn't confuse okay, no, no, those no, 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 two. Here's, here's what I mean. No, that's <laughs> like, having, uh, having sex with any man is gay. <sighs> but a little boy, that's wrong on so many levels. By the way, the sound effect is about two adults yeah. <laughs> having sex. Um, yeah, it sucks. It's a bummer. Um, I say fuck the Catholic Church and fuck all churches that, that, that devote any time and energy uh, to making life more difficult for oppressed people rather than less difficult. I mean, that's I, not Christian. Here, here. I mean, this is good to know. That's not Christian. That's not Jewish. That's not Muslim. God loves everyone. God does not want hatred, discrimination, fear bias. I speak for God. I am God's God? living spokesperson on this earth. I don't know why we don't have more what listeners. If God was one of us. If people knew that I was a prophet, I feel like we would have we much would bigger have ratings. Listeners. Fuck everyone. God, if you're listening, <laughs> bless us with more listeners and more reviews. Are so. you there, God? It's me, Margo. Uh, Margaret, excuse me. Okay, Japanese court, this is good news, Japanese court rules that same-sex marriage ban is unconstitutional. It's the first time that a court in Japan has recognized the rights of same-sex couples. I always think Japan is this like super progressive country that's like to the left of the United yeah, States, but it's really not. It's progressive for a country in Asia, right. but they're still rather conservative. Um, local technology-wise. Uh, yes. Well, technology-wise, they're amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. Local LGBTQ advocates have filed several court cases to challenge the country's ban on same-sex marriages. And on one such case, uh, a verdict in the Sapporo District Court found that um, the ban was unconstitutional, according to Article 14 of the Japanese Constitution, which prohibits discrimination because of race, creed, sex, social status, or family origin. So in other words, he's saying sex covers sexual orientation as well. That's amazing. 
sorry, I'm having a hard time finding the second page of my rundown. Um, this doesn't legalize it, but it's a big step forward. Yeah. At the moment, Taiwan is the only Asian country to recognize same-sex marriage following a change in the law in 2019. So, uh, you know, progress marches on all over the world. Congratulations, Japan. Congratulations. And to our Japanese listener. <laughs> listener. Thank you for listening. Um, okay, this I should have talked about at the top of the hour when we were discussing the horrific Atlanta murders. Mm -hmm. But in the wake of those murders, a former RuPaul's Drag Queen contestant, Rockham Sakura, has stepped forward to say that she, he, is a former sex worker. Mm -hmm. Sakura came uh, in 12th in season what? 12. Oh, he came in 12th in season 12. I, th I thought he was robbed. I thought he should have gone much further. Um, that was the season that Jada Essence Hall won. Sakura is uh, Asian American, and he tweeted, I have something to get off my chest, something that has been weighing very heavily on me for a long time. I feel needs to be said. Uh, I want to preface. Okay, this goes on and on and on and on. Um, the truth is. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Because I don't think those things matter right now. With the violent crimes that have been affecting the Asian community as of recently and the hate crimes that were committed last night, this was the day after the shootings, I wanted to come out and say that I was a sex worker, specifically working with massage until my debut on season 12. The truth is my job paid for my expenses while I lived in San Francisco and helped me pursue and fund my drag. Right now, people need to see, need to hear, and need to know that we need to quote, uh, that we need to hashtag stop Asian hate and protect sex workers. What happened last night was exactly what it looks like, a hate crime against Asian people. You know, shortly after his appearance on Drag Race, I remember seeing a video yes, of him getting his dick Folsom. sucked at Folsom. And it was a very nice dick, by the way. And I remember thinking like, oh, he's definitely yeah. sex positive. Yeah. So this doesn't shock me, but I do think it's a brave uh, admission. And I think... There's probably tons of drag queens Absolutely. on and off RuPaul's Drag Race who fund their drag yes. by doing sex work. OnlyFans, sex work. I mean, I think that the biggest takeaway for me is just like we need to amplify the message that sex work is work. And for a lot of people, especially trans people of color, sometimes sex work is the only work that That's right. is available. Um, there, that's, that's easy without, you know, have, facing discrimination or it is the only way that they can fund surgery that they need. So I think that the, first of all, I think this is extremely brave of rock to come forward with this. Um, and you're right. I think that a lot of, I think a lot of people, especially in a, uh, post pandemic world are turning to only fans and trying to make, you know, money in any, any way they can. Absolutely. And I have, I know people who have like, you know, normal office jobs, but they still on the side have an OnlyFans account yeah. where they make a little extra bucks. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. No. Uh, I really don't. So good for Rock. It's the right time to come forward um, and, uh, and to speak out against violence against sex workers, violence against Asian Americans, and just to like own it and own your truth. Listen, if I were not 170 years old and had a bigger penis and my parents weren't both still living, I would probably do OnlyFans. Yeah. It, I'm kind of surprised you haven't yet. I'm just so lazy. I just, I cannot, <laughs> I can barely have an Instagram for my dog, let alone like a, a, a sex page. I just like, it's just a lot of work. By the way, next week we're going to do a story about, um, about OnlyFans and other types of sites banning video showing public sex yes and i'm gonna make a startling confession so tune in next Ooh. week to hear that uh, but right now without further ado it's time for <clears throat> ryan's rupaul's drag race update and he's got not one but two series to discuss and you have about three minutes to do it so. oh my goodness hit, okay. hit. spoiler alert to anyone that is um watching rupaul's drag race uk or has been watching rupaul's drag race uk the finale aired this past Thursday, and I would like to report a robbery because <laughs> Lawrence Cheney, uh, Lawrence Cheney won 
season two, series two, as the English would call it, um, of Drag Race UK. And I believe that Bimini Bamboulash was robbed. Um, never before have we seen a contestant have such an incredible arc on the show where she literally started out in the bottom two, lip syncing for her life. And then by the end, she had won four challenges, some of the most important challenges, including the Snatch Game, including um, one of the final acting challenges. She was um, just a, a really bright light, and um, the the fandom is uh, fuming, and I'm pissed. But um, it was a great, great season. I, I really do think that there's something... Um, very special about the international franchises that I think the U.S. version has lost a little bit. And um, as far as the U.S. version, um, now I'm kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen. I think that right now we're, we're about half, well, the season feels never-ending. But we're, we've, we've reached the top six. The contestants remaining are Simone, Utica, Candy Muse, Gottmik, Rosé, and who am I forgetting? Don't you think Got Mixed Soda should have been called Got Soda? Yes. That was a missed opportunity. Yes. That was, I mean, you know, I, I think she's also, she's getting that kind of winner's edit where she, she did really well in the beginning, but now she had to have her little moment of weakness. Uh, two things that I do want to um, update our listeners on is that there are um, more uh, Drag Race franchises coming. Oh, for God's sake. Um we don't have enough time. World of Wonder is going to be producing a Eurovision-like drag queen singing competition. Ay, Dios mío. Which I'm actually very excited about because a lot of the queens are amazing singers. And um, I think that this just is something that makes sense for them to do. And um, it hasn't been officially announced, but it is um, – there are con- very, very um, – there are rumors – let's just say, that a international All-Stars is coming. And this mm. would be an All-Stars that includes Canada, Holland, Thailand, and UK, and US, maybe? Holy shit. It's um, the Olympics. It's the Olympics. So um, I'm excited for both of those things. Um, All-Stars 6 is coming around the corner. That's going to be premiering on Paramount+, Plus, yes. which is Paramount's new uh, streaming app, uh, streaming service. Um, yeah, lots going on. Um, All right. Well, we'll be talking about it more and more. Yes, we will. uh, It will never end. Thank you, Ryan Frostig. Hey, speaking of OnlyFans, remember that weatherman in D.C. we talked about who got in trouble for saying fat people shouldn't get vaccinated before frontline workers? He slammed the obese. Well, uh, he was back in the news this past week because he or someone else uploaded pornographic video of him to his Instagram account. And spoiler alert, he has a really big dick. (laughs) This is Blake McCoy. Uh, As we told you, he was suspended from his uh, Fox 5 anchor chair in Washington, D.C. after tweeting that uh, obese people were getting priority for the vaccine. I I cannot determine whether or not he's actually been fired. He has not been seen on the air since then. All of his social media is now gone. Um, And what's really interesting to me about this story is – Earlier in the week, there were all these stories that he didn't just – this wasn't just a one-time thing where an X-rated video of his was uploaded. Apparently, people are saying, allegedly, that he had a secret Twitter account that was all porn, that he homemade porn that he had done, and that he was an OnlyFans star. At the same time, he was a weatherman in a local city for a Fox affiliate. That is really reckless, in my opinion. Uh, again, not judging the sex or the sex work, but like you know you're going to get shit for that if you're like an on-air weatherman, especially at a Fox station. Anywho, I don't think we're going to be seeing him on the news ever again. But the good news is he definitely has a career as a porn star. The dick is nice, and he is a top, much to my surprise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Finally, here's a story that's kind of a gay pride story. So I think we need to hear Ann Steele singing Love Will Take Us There. Hit it, JB. Yes. So guess what took place in Australia last week, Ryan? Mardi Gras. Sydney Mardi Gras. In person. That's amazing. Because Australia and New Zealand have done such an incredible job containing the coronavirus 
that they were able to have a, a rather large in-person celebration. It was smaller. Uh, turn that down a little bit, Jimmy. It was smaller than usual, um, but uh, it took place at the Sydney Cricket Ground. It was a ticketed event. Uh, there were 36,000 spectators cheering on 5,000 marchers from over 120 parade ent entities. Um, it was broadcast on PBS uh, so people could watch from home. Uh, one of the organizers said this year's Mardi Gras was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. With a reworked COVID-safe <laughs> COVID format, our iconic parade definitely looked different to how it was in the past. But even in this new setup, Mardi Gras continues to be a celebration of who we are and what we've achieved. That right now, good. our five Australian listeners have tuned out. They're disgusted with my that terrible was accent. Good, actually, I think. Thank you. So congratulations. And this is a sign of what could be possible if everybody gets vaccinated and God, people keep wearing there. masks and follow the rules and stop demonizing science Etc. Etc. Also, Drag Race Down Under is coming. I forgot to mention that as well. Drag Race Down Under. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of Down Under, our guest today is making his ass debut. He is an adorable and very talented comedian who's appeared on The Tonight Show, Fox's Laughs, and Gotham Comedy Live on Axis TV. He was also one of the hosts of Babies Behaving Badly on the Discovery Family Channel. Uh, in this stand-up clip of his, he, destroy, he destroys, he describes his experience skydiving for the first time. Dave gets strapped to this 25-year-old girl, and I'm like, sweet, strap one on. I love skydiving, you know? And then he had my instructor, a six-foot-six Russian guy named Vladimir, and I'm like, whoa! Mm, mm. Dave's having the time of his life. I'm learning what prison's like. This is... Now what I signed up for. Six foot six is a giant. I'm five seven. It wasn't like a harness at that point. It was more like a baby Bjorn. I'm walking out of the plane, feet don't even touch the ground. Curl up in a ball, feel like a Joey in my mother's pouch. Where are we going today? It was terrifying. I don't know if you've ever spoken to a Russian person, but they're the most intense people in the world. They're terrifying. In Russia. Everything. In Russia. Every, in, in, every, in Russia, no parachute. And joining us all the way from sunny New Jersey, please give a warm-ass welcome to Joe Larson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, really. Joe, did you ever make it safely to the ground with the six foot six Russian? I'm still in the air right now. <laughs> or at least uh, your legs are. Yes, at least my legs. I, that's the thing. I, I, Adam, how tall are you? I'm 5'11". Five 5'11". Eleven. Five eleven. Yeah, I don't like you. Uh, it's, it's hard being 5'7". It's, it's the truth is, it's I'd rather be your distance. height. I would. Really? I, I think because short guys are so fucking adorable, and I know that it might be different in the straight world. Like yeah, me. I was going to say, that's the problem here, uh, is that we're adorable, is that women go, oh, look at you. But you got married. You found a wife. I did. I tricked one. How tall is she? She's 5'4". So, yeah. So really what it is, is I think in, in the straight world, we just, it just, it just uh, decreases your, your possibilities. Yeah, I think it's a plus. I mean, Ryan, you're a little shorter than I. Do you agree? I, I think, first of all, when you're short in the gay world, you get to be the little spoon. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't okay. want to be the little spoon? It's wonderful being the little spoon. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, I, I oftentimes have my wife uh, cuddle me, and it's a very weird thing for her. <laughs> the thing is, you'd have to be a bottom if you were in, in the gay world. I don't know how you'd feel about that. Uh, I don't either. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'll try anything once. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> my, my kind of straight guy. <laughs> Joe, you are one of the few working comedians who's also the son of a working comedian. So Absolutely. So before we talk about you, let's talk about your dad. Okay. Who is he? Is he? six foot, which is <laughs> bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I got shafted on that. Um, my dad is uh, a comedian named Elliot Max. Uh, he had to change his name because his given name is Gary Larson. 
Ah. And uh, yes, being uh, being a comedian in Seattle in the eighties, uh, while well, Gary Larson's cartoons were the most popular thing on the planet, right? The Far Side uh, series, the, yeah, the Far Side series. Uh, there was quite a few mix-ups, so people come to his show and go, "Oh my God, Gary Larson's performing!" And then they'd just be disappointed uh, <laughs> when my head on stage. <laughs> they would still have him sign the books afterwards. It was so funny. People would come up with their books and be like, "Will you sign this?" And he'd be like. You saw the whole show. You know I'm not the author of this. And they're like, yeah, but will you still sign it? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, but he had, uh, you know, he was a comedian for years, had an HBO special, a couple development deals, things like that. So Why did he pick he did, a Jewish last name for the stage uh, name? Max. Uh, so it, that's, my dad is a very calculating person. So what he did was when he was trying to find a, a name, he went through all of the very famous old-school comedians' names and found out how many syllables, what letters were used, all of the different elements that made a famous comedian name. And he came up with the perfect famous comedian name. And he called up his friend Rick Schrader, and he said, Rick, I came up with the perfect famous comedian name, Jack Elliott. And he goes, you mean like rambling Jack Elliott, the blues player? And my dad goes, fuck, and hangs up the phone. <laughs> and... And so my, at the time, my youngest sister was being born, and my dad was so sure that his fourth child was going to be a boy that when it came out, he goes, where's her penis? Uh, <laughs> he was so confused. Uh, so he was going to name that child Max. He wanted to name it Max. And so he took that name and put it on the back of Elliot, went through the phone book at the time, couldn't find an Elliot Max, and that was his name. Yeah, because I hear Elliot Max, and I think like Rabbi Elliot Max. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he would love that. He would absolutely love that. So that was, uh, his, was that his primary career when you were growing up? Uh, yeah, other than in, when I was a very small child, like two, he was a um, morning radio DJ for the Hard Rock Station in Seattle. That's so fun. But, yeah, but other than that, it was just stand-up. So you were one of the few stand-ups who, like, when you announced at 20 that you were going to do this, I'm sure your parents were not like, are you crazy? No one can make a career doing that. No, they were because uh, they knew how we lived. Um, oh. <laughs> no, no, my, actually my dad, I was in college and uh, I had taken a quarter off and I was staying at my parents' house and just being a, you know, a do nothing fuck up. And they said, my dad said, uh, would you like to take a comedy class? And I said, no. And he said, well, my friend's teaching one. I can get you in for free. And I said, no, I'm good. And then he goes, uh, well, what else are you doing this weekend? And I said, okay, I'll do it. And then he immediately wanted to take it back. You know, my dad tried to talk me out of doing stand up for two years. Uh, cause he knew, he knows, and you know, that it's a, it's a life of show business is not a life where you get, uh, any kind of normalcy or comfort. Especially you know? comedy, which is the bottom rung of show business as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Absolutely. I mean, carnival barkers <laughs> get more respect. They do. They do. <laughs> well, and, and what the one thing he did say to me was, and I'm re recognizing this now that I have a family, is like, uh, birthday parties, you're not home. Um, and hang out with friends, you're not around. Right. So all of the time when people, normal, normal people hang out, you're gone. Yeah, so, it's very hard to have a work-life balance when you're on the road 300 nights a year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just, yeah, and, and I understand that now, especially having a family, but in my early 20s, I was like, this is great. But you st – okay, so you start at age 20, and if I'm reading your bio correctly, you were named College Comedian of the Year your first year. Is that right? Yes. yes. How is that possible? Well, I went to the Las Vegas Comedy Festival, and I won this competition, and I – my first five minutes was really friggin' good. It must and have been. Yeah, and it was almost, uh, it was almost, a, a, it almost hamstrung me because it was so good that I was afraid to write new stuff and afraid to move forward because I won that competition. I won a couple other things. I started getting some meetings with networks that early and it, it was terrible because it, it really, it caused me not to write, to, to lean on this thing and to not explore other elements of what I could be doing. Well, and you so, didn't have the stage time behind you. I mean, one of the things about oh, being no. a comedian is, it takes most people 10 years before they even find their voice on stage and figure out who their character is and, and know how to deal with bad crowds. Like you can't, you can't just intuitively know all that stuff. Oh no, I know. And I remember one of the, so after that competition, the ice house was like, come down and do a weekend. And I was like, well, I only have 10 minutes. And they're like, well then come down 
and do guest spots for a weekend, and we'll pay you whatever it was, hundred bucks. And I was like, yes. So I fled into LA to do this, and I just ate a dick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I had a very time. similar experience. I had a great ten minutes that I had on tape, and my like second or third year of doing it, I got booked by Atlantis Cruises, which is like the biggest gay vacation company in the world to fly down to, to Cancun and perform in front of like, you know, 500 gay men. And it was the biggest bomb of my life. And they never had me back ever. <laughs> so you really, you really do get fucked if you, if you start too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always say to people like go to a tertiary market, a smaller market, develop for five years there and then go to a bigger market, you know, like go to Philly and, do comedy there for five years. I actually have a great uh, bomb story for cruises. Um, one of the first cruises I did was out, it was right after, um, what was it, Hurricane Maria that just devastated Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to sail out of Puerto Rico. So everyone, all the hotels were shut down. So nobody could fly in the day before and you know stay in a hotel and then get on the boat. So the, the bookings went to zero. So they opened it up to people from Puerto Rico and they put the ticket price at like 200 bucks. Let's just fill the boat. So I go on stage and uh, the opening show and it's the theater is packed. It's a thousand people. Now, 800 of them don't speak any English. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly an English guy. So I You're not a bilingual there. comedian. No, I'm killing with 200 people. But then, uh, like, later that week, I'm, I'm in the hot tub, and this lady gets in, and she goes, oh, do, uh, do, uh, do comedy, yes? And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm the comedian. She goes, oh, uh, you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to sit in the hot tub with her. Yeah, I go, oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> You've told me, I've heard you tell a story either on or off stage. I can't remember, about... Um, the first time you did a cruise, not that cruise, but a, just a regular yeah. cruise, and you bombed, and then your dad told you the secret is you have to come up there with like a hundred cheesy one-liners pre-written out, and the and the cruise guests will love you. Did, yeah, so did I ma- am yeah. I making that up, or did you tell me yeah, that? It's it's one it's a little bit of both. So when I was again, I, this is another story of getting something way too early. About four years in, this cruise uh, booker was like, "Hey, I like your stuff. I think I can get you booked on cruise." So again, I go in with ten minutes, kill with ten minutes. Then I get on the boat. And they're like, "You got to do an hour and a half." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> so I called my dad. And he goes, "I'm going to send you something." So he emails me this. Um, this clip and it's of like the best, the most successful cruise comic at the time. Cruises have changed a lot as far as entertainment, but back in the nineties, it was hacky. It was vaudeville basically. Um, and so this guy comes out and he just, he go, he tells some jokes about the cruise ship. He goes, you don't want to hear that. You want to hear jokes, don't you? And then he just starts telling street jokes. And so my dad goes, and they're not jokes that he wrote. Oh no, 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 no. Two guys walk into a bar like that simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll tell you a good Irish joke. Uh, two Irish guys walk out of a bar, uh, you know, things like that, things like that, you know, and, and then, and he's just killing with it, just killing with it. And, uh, so my dad calls me because he goes, listen to it. I go, yeah, it was fucking terrible. And he goes, yeah, that's what you got to do to get through this week. <laughs> right down a bunch of street jokes. And he goes, man, if you get caught between a rock and a hard place and you can't fill the time, do that. You know, you hopefully won't get flown off the boat. I was like, all right, well. And that's what you did. I did. I, did. I wrote down a bunch of street jokes, and I, I ended up using five or six of them just to, just to save my ass. Can I tell and you, never, after you told me that story, I had a corporate gig where they wanted me to be super clean. Yeah. And, you know, I'm unlike you, I am not a clean comic. And uh, my stuff – actually, I don't know if you've ever seen me do a really filthy show. But, but when I'm not doing, like, a hometown show, I'm, like, super dirty. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really have any clean jokes. And uh, so I literally Googled clean jokes. And I memorized like the worst 10 I could find, like the absolute cheesiest. And I, I went to this gig and I said, I know you guys want clean material and I don't have any. But I Googled some clean jokes and here you go. And they fucking loved them. <laughs> and it's easy to memorize jokes for Absolutely. me. So I think it's I think it, there's something genius about that. I think your your dad could influence a new generation of comics. Yeah, well, I think, you know, and and, he, and I think when you are uh honest about it as you were, and then you bring the chops of a comedian that can actually 
tell a joke and actually perform for an audience and know the subtleties of it. I'm sure you made those into great jokes. Well, it became a meta set because some of them, even mm-hmm. though they were clean, they were incredibly dark. Like, yeah. um, uh, have you heard this one, Joe? Um, how can you tell? Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> if you really want to know, if you really want to know who loves you more, your wife or your dog, lock them both in the trunk of your car for an hour. When you open the trunk, see which one is happy to see you. It's a great joke, right? It's it's and I and then you know people kind of boo, and I go that joke is so offensive to me, you guys. Like, who would ever think of locking a dog in the trunk yeah. of their car? <laughs> You have you did you make a choice to only be do clean stuff? Are you ever dirty on stage? Yeah, I have some dirty jokes, and and those came later on in my career. Um, uh, again, my dad kind of the one piece of influence that he did give me when I started comedy was he said, "You can learn, you know, learn how to write clean, write clean, and then you can always throw in dirty. It's harder. He he thought it's harder to go from dirty to clean." Um, I, you know, I think a joke's a joke and whatever you think about, you think about, uh, I tend to think clean, but I do have some dirty jokes. Um, I don't really have many, I'm starting to write some sex jokes. Like do you uh, swear on stage? Yeah. I have three jokes where the, there are swear words necessary in them. Hmm. Um, but I always took from like the, uh, uh you know, Shelley Berman once, um, I got to see him speak about comedy and he started saying his his thought process on on swearing was this: um, these are very powerful words that can have a profound effect and can be used like an atomic bomb. Right. Uh, if you use them as a, if you use fuck as a comma, it's no longer powerful. Right. Uh, and you're taking away this brilliant word that is just so amazing when it when it's used sparingly. And so I, I've always felt like if I can use a different word and get the same effect, great, because then it saves that word that is so powerful. Uh, and I think that's smart. When I hear when I hear a comic who's who it feels to me like is just being dirty to shock, it's not funny. Yeah, uh, it's just that I tell a lot of sex stories that have happened to me, and I can say penis instead of cock, but like cock is funnier, and they mean the same thing. So why why clean it up? You know, I, I have a joke about um, that. I've used, I've used the word penis several times in it now. And it's so funny when you say it for like the eighth or ninth time, it sounds so dirty. It sounds dirtier than cock or dick. It's, it's just penis, penis, penis. And then I thought penis and penis and pe- And by the time you get to like the eighth or ninth penis, you can see people go like, oh, yeah, penis and vagina are uncomfortable words for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, vagina, especially great. Yeah. Have you had any gigs uh, since COVID hit? What have you been doing with your time? I'm working a ton. I have, uh, I had uh, 19 corporates this month. Wow. On Zoom. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and then I have a show tonight. That's just a regular Zoom show. If anybody wants to watch that is listening, if you go to kocomedy.com, kocomedy.com, you can sign up. It's a free show to watch. It's on the West Coast, but it'll be fun. How is um, I can't imagine doing a gig uh, on Zoom because you can't hear any reaction. You can't. I, I have people turn on their mics and their cameras, and um, I keep it in gallery view. And then what I do is before the show, I have them open up 15 minutes ahead of time, play some music, and then have the host just try to generate conversation. And then what I do is I steal screenshots of people. And uh, and then what I do is I kind of roast them a little bit. So I, I, will, I will screenshot people's little squares, and then sometimes I'll Photoshop them into different situations. Um, one of them was holding up a bottle and had his hands up as if, like, please don't shoot. And I photoshopped him in the back of a police car uh, for drinking and driving. And so I gave him the award for most likely to be arrested drinking and driving. I <laughs> will, you know, I will find a guy who looks just like real stuck up and or real, real sleazy sort of thing. And then I put him into a used car lot. Well, I, I think it, most likely to sell you used cars. I think like it speaks that. to your creativity that that uh, you've been able to make those work. I don't think I could do it, Joe. In the time remaining, now that our producer yeah. is finally back from a very long break, it is time to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Here we go, Joe Larson. As we've uh, established, you are five foot seven. Is it true what they say about good things coming in small packages? 
Absolutely not. <laughs> oh no! Because <laughs> some of those, some of the smallest guys I've been with have had the biggest dicks. Well, uh, you haven't been with me. Uh, <laughs> you've dis- oh. you've destroyed my fantasy. Uh, Joe, Sorry. describe the gayest experience you've ever had aside from being on this show. Um, gayest experience. Uh, uh, boy, I had my balls tattooed. What? Um, yeah. Uh, a tattoo of that, what? Uh, it says may contain nuts, like a warning label. Oh, my God. What made you do such a thing? Somebody told me I wouldn't, so I did it. Was that uh, so were – you, were you unconscious? That would have been – that would be so no. fucking painful. It was. It was. Stone cold sober uh, as well. Five o'clock before a show at the Denver Comedy Works, I went out and got my balls tattooed. And uh, I walked around like I was riding a horse three days. Are they on the bottom of the scary. sack? No, it's like if you if you lift up your cock, it's right there as almost like a sign, just a warning, you know, let the ladies know. Holy shit. I've never heard anything like that. <laughs> I don't, have, Ryan and JB, have you guys ever heard of someone getting their balls tattooed? Uh, nope, this is the first. Never. That is, I didn't expect it from you of all people. No, no, most people don't. That's why I tried to tell the story on, on stage and people are just like, no. Yeah, it's, too, it's, it's a lot. Very, yeah. But on radio shows, I can do it because then the guy can be like, show us, and I pull up my balls. I do kind of want to see. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Joe, which famous comedian most deserves COVID? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, ooh, most famous comedian most. I think Jim Gaffigan, just because then he'll have an hour and a half on it. <laughs> exactly. He'll write some good stuff on it. Uh, describe your worst gig ever. Maybe it's that, uh, uh, that Puerto Rico cruise. No, I had a gun pulled on me in um, in Lake Stevens, Washington. A gun? Yeah, a guy went outside to his truck to get a gun. The manager goes, nope, you can't leave. And I was like, why? And the guy goes, well, Jim got his gun again. And I said, again? <laughs> Are you going to call the cops? And he goes, no. And he just goes to the table of all of Jim's friends. And they're like, basically like, oh, shit, he got his gun again. And then they all go out and they take his gun from him and they put him in his Jeep and lock the doors, you know, like lock him in, basically. And the guy goes, get your girlfriend to pull the car around. You got about 10 minutes. Get the fuck out of here. Was he angry at something you had said? Yeah, so uh, he wouldn't shut up at all. Every time I went to a punchline, he would step on it. So I go, obviously, you need attention. So I'll give you two minutes. Two of my minutes. I'm two years into comedy, so two of my minutes is a lot for me. So here, go ahead, talk. And he didn't have anything to say. So I go, okay, well, what's your name? He goes, Jim. I go, what do you do? And he goes, I'm unemployed. And I said, well, what did you do? And he goes, I was a roofer. I go, are you married? He goes, divorced. I go, do you have kids? He goes, yeah. I go, you guys split custody? He goes, no, she's got them. And I go, okay. And then I go, okay, that was your two minutes. I was respectful. Please be respectful to me. And then I go into my next joke, and he steps on it, and I go, that's why you can't see your fucking kids. That's why you can't hold down a goddamn <laughs> job. That's why your ah! wife left you. You live in a fucking trailer. You just shit. And, yeah. Oh, my God. Because I, I was just going to say, like, of all comedians that I would think would have a gun pulled on them, much like having a tattoo on your balls, you'd be at the bottom of my list. I got surprises, buddy. I got surprises. I didn't know you had that dark side to you. Mm. Now I'm very intrigued. Um, all right, Joe, F, Mary Kill. Are you familiar with the game? Yes. This is a comedian edition. You have to choose okay. between Amy Schumer, Tiffany Haddish, or Michelle Wolf. Oh, oh wow. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to uh, marry uh, Michelle Wolf because she is a long-distance runner, so she won't be home much. Good. Uh, yes, she'll be out. She'll be running. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kill... Um, uh, what was it? Oh, Tiffany Haddish. Okay, I'm, I'm going to kill Amy Schumer because if I killed Tiffany Haddish, it would be considered a hate crime. Yes. And uh, I can't go down like that. And so I guess I'm marrying Tiffany, or I'm fucking Tiffany Haddish. And marrying Amy. No, and marrying then, yeah. Michelle and killing Amy. No, killing Amy, yes. Now, do you I, actually yeah. know Amy Schumer? I've met her once. Very so nice. The headline really nice. from today's show is that Joe Larson wants to murder Amy Schumer. Perfect. <laughs> this will be all over Twitter shortly. Uh, what's the creepiest thing a fan has ever said to you? I don't have fans. Yes, you do. Because uh, <laughs> I imagine I, I'm going to predict that you've been hit on a lot by creepy gay guys. Aside from yeah, just no, me. Yeah, I mean, well, you are the number one. Uh, <laughs> it's there's been a few. There's been a few. I had one offer me uh, seven thousand five hundred dollars. For a blowjob, and I said, "I'm not going to blow you for seven thousand five hundred dollars." And he said, "No, no, no. 
can I blow you for seven thousand? I'll give you that amount of money to. How blow could you, you turn that down? Because I gotta, I gotta go home to my wife, and I have to go. Hey, gotta, uh She can have, have some of the money. money. We have a money making opportunity here. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I'm. Uh, let me just say, I'm not surprised that you were offered that amount and and higher. Joe, how can people follow you? Uh, what about Joe on Twitter or Instagram? Comedian Joe Larson. You are delightful. You've always been one of my favorites. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. Finally, thank you so much for having me. Bye, honey. Uh, follow Ryan uh, at Ryan Frosting. Follow JB at Stocking Anarchy Twelve. Follow me, me at Adam Sank on Twitter and Insta. Next week we have uh, comedian and celebrity impressionist JL Kovas. Subscribe to this podcast at DNRStudios.com. Um, listen, have a great week, bitches. Bye. Love y'all. Mean Love it. Love you.